episode 41 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, author, speaker, husband, father of four, ultramarathon runner, and creator of The Path Back. The Path Back is an online pornography addiction recovery program that has been designed to help people overcome pornography addiction and compulsive sexual behavior. If you or somebody that you know is struggling with pornography addiction or compulsive sexual behavior, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download an ebook that talks about five common myths that people, five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction and compulsive sexual behavior. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. The pause you're seeing here is because I, uh, I'm recording this one again. I'm doing video today and uh, that is still such a struggle for me. And I know I, I sound like the old man now. I know that's what the kids want, that, uh, that the, everything's video now. You can't just have audio. And, uh, but boy, when I look up there in this camera and I see my, my, my big bald shining head, um, I, I think I panic still. I think I still have a face for radio or for podcasting. And I'm noticing on the camera, a couple of people that have uh, saw some of the episodes that I have recorded as well have pointed out that they become obsessed with this. I'm pointing at it right now. There is uh, something in the background. It's on the wall. And it turns out it's the door. Not the door jam, maybe. Maybe it's a door jam. But it's uh, where the door closes and hits the wall, the little the, the break. Uh, I know there's a the very scientific or smart word for that, but yep, there it is, right over my right shoulder, and uh, that uh, now, if you are watching the video, maybe you'll be obsessed with that throughout the day. Um, but I'm grateful to be with you here for episode 41, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about a topic that I think I often overlook. Um, if you've heard other episodes, especially on EFT, when I like to talk about marriage therapy, couples counseling, couples communication, uh, I love talking about this concept of EFT, emotionally focused therapy, this evidence-based modality that I work with uh, with up to 20, 25 couples a week that I've been using for years that I have just watched over and over time and time again repair relationships. And, uh, and I get to watch this work in my office that helps people communicate, feel validated, heard, empathy, um, all of these wonderful things. But, but if I go back in the time machine and go back to my early days as a marriage and family therapist, um, first of all, couples therapy was not something that I was excited about. Couples therapy was difficult. When you don't have a very solid foundation or modality to work from, couples therapy often feels just like you are a, a referee. And maybe I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But there was one concept that I grasped early and then uh, was one of the first kind of successful pieces that I was able to bring into couples therapy. And that was the concept of the five love languages. The five love languages, if you've read the book, um, and I think a lot of people have heard about this. Uh, I speak about the five love languages often. I actually did just a couple of weeks ago. And just with the short um, raise of hands, I'd say about 90% of the, the audience that was there was familiar at least or knew about the five love languages. I don't know how many of them could quote the five love languages off the top of their head, but they were familiar with the concept. So today I want to talk a little bit about the five love languages, what they are, the significance. And uh, sometimes I do view this almost as like kind of the fundamentals of marriage therapy, that this is a nice place to kind of build some connection. Sometimes even before we move on to those uh, EFT skills that I've talked about in some of the previous episodes. So I want to get to the five love languages. But before I do that, I do want to talk about and I haven't done this yet while I've been on video, um, but uh, Bloom, Bloom for Women. And I think I've alluded to on, an, on a few occasions that I did a pretty intense training. It was on a concept called betrayal trauma. And I get to work with a lot of addicts, uh, people that are sexual addicts, uh, compulsive sexual behavior, um, even some drug, drug addicts, uh, people who are alcoholic, and, and kind of this concept of working with the addict 
Um, I'm so focused at times on the recovery of the person in my room that oftentimes, not on purpose, but I may neglect what that experience is like for the other person in the relationship. And this betrayal trauma training that I took through this amazing um, place out of Utah called Addo Recovery, A-D-D-O, Addo Recovery, really taught me a lot about what the other part of the that couple is going through, the person who has felt betrayed, particularly with betrayal trauma with regard to pornography addiction, compulsive sexual behavior, and what that feels like for that person, again, who has who feels betrayed, whose partner has been the one who has maybe been um, keeping this addiction from them. The, you know, so now when this when this disclosure happens, when the person that is saying, you know, hey, I've, I'm struggling with pornography addiction, or in a lot of cases when that person has been caught, um, then what that partner goes through, the one who has felt betrayed, is, uh, you know, some people didn't even know there was a name for it, but Addo has done an amazing job with uh, nice evidence-based research. They've, they've formed this community. They have these programs that are on this site called Bloom for Women that really help women um, process this betrayal and how they can kind of move through that. And and the, the biggest thing is this community of support and resources that help them feel like they're not alone, that they're not kind of going crazy with their thoughts of trying to reconnect or re- reconstruct the past based on some of this new data that they've just received by their partner, um, the person, again, who has betrayed them. So I would encourage anyone who has has had an issue with betrayal trauma, or again, who might know someone that might be struggling with that, to head over to bloomforwomen.com. And they have, uh, if you use a, a coupon code, virtual couch, all one word, you get 30 days free access to all of their programs. And I think that um, even if you just go for that 30 day trial period, there is so much there that I think can help you if you feel like you are stuck or having a hard time kind of moving past those feelings of betrayal in your relationship. So again, that's bloomforwomen.com. Use coupon code virtualcouch. And uh, as per always, um, the fine folks at Eli's Extracts, and I'm not going to lie, use that on my big, bald, shiny head this morning, uh, make all natural organic shave creams scented with essential oils. And you can go to Eli's, E-L-I-S-Extracts.com and use coupon code virtualcouch for 25% off your entire order. Okay, there we go. Business is taken care of. So let's get a little bit uh, to the five love languages today. And I'm going to make this a pretty short podcast. I think uh, famous last words. I've said that a time or two before, I know. But uh, on this one, I do want to just kind of hit on these quickly. So the the book, and so the five love languages was developed by a uh, PhD uh, marriage therapist, Gary Chapman. And the book came out, his first book, The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate, came out in 1995. And um, and the book has just been around, so it's been around for a long time. And I was looking at some of the stats on the book. Um, It's been on the New York Times bestseller list since August of 2009. And there was a revised edition, The Five Love Languages, was released in January 1 of 2015. And uh, and has still remained on this New York Times bestseller list. So here's the concept. The, The book, Chapman claims that in his work, in in working with uh, couples, marriage as a marriage therapist, he says that he he outlines five ways to express and experience love that Chapman calls the love languages. These are and we're going to go into a little bit of detail on these. They are receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. And again, he, he drew these from his counseling practice, and I don't think it's bad to kind of um, express that uh, the more digging I did, there's not necessarily as much evidence based around the five love languages, um, but I, I really find that that 
couples connect with this concept, and uh, um, and and so the the primary what Chapman suggests is that everyone has one primary and one secondary love language, and and so these love languages are in essence how you express love. And you may not even know that this is how you express love. If you find that you are someone who is overly complimentary, if you want to just, you know, I want to make somebody feel happy, I want to compliment them how they look, the things they do, the, the, just the, the person that they are, um, then that's kind of one in that column of perhaps words of affirmation. You providing these words of affirmation, these compliments are your love language. If you're somebody who says, man, I just, I don't get enough hugs, um, if it's like I love a back rub, if you're in a couples, if a relationship where you feel like your partner doesn't care about you because maybe there's a lack of intimacy or you feel like you're the one that always needs to initiate intimacy, uh, that's a, a pretty fair sign that physical touch is one of your, it might be your primary love language. Um, if you are someone in a relationship and your spouse travels a lot and you're disappointed when they don't come back with a gift or what I see in my practice a lot is people that make a lot of uh, kind of I was gonna say a big deal around um, anniversaries and man you know they didn't they didn't go all out for my anniversary or this is all they got me for my birthday so that person and and it's funny because that'll be qualified there's a qualifier in those statements a lot of times where people will say I know it sounds like I'm you know materialistic or I know that this might not sound right but I just I really like when someone gets me a gift. So if that's the case, gifts, gift giving would would obviously be one of your or maybe your primary love language. Um, and, and so let me kind of jump in here and tell a little bit of a story, and then we're going to get to uh, the rest of these. So um, when I was first learning about the five love languages, again I was kind of a shiny new therapist, and and at that time I might see one or two couples a week, and when I would see them, I had learned nice reflective listening skills where somebody says. Uh, they're frustrated. They're angry, and I'm I'm having the their partner reflect those. Wait, now what are they saying? What do you hear them saying? And then the couple with the, the other partner would say, "Okay, sure. I hear them say that they're angry or they're frustrated or they wonder why, you know." And then they would say, "But you know, I'm really mad at him, and he does all these sort of things." And I would kind of say, "Okay," to the guy reflect back. What do you hear that your partner is saying? And then they reflect back. Oh, I know I've heard it, heard it a million times. You know, he thinks this, this, or this. And then I would kind of sit back and go, okay, uh, you've both heard each other and go, let's fix this. And, and so now in this world of VFT that I'm so passionate about, uh, now we can kind of say, okay, hey, um, we're listening to our partner and this is an emotional bid. We're going to turn off our fixing and judgment statements. We're going to go all in on empathy. We want to hear what our partner has to say. But so before I got to that, I'm a shiny new marriage therapist. Uh, I, I go to, a, I think it was a, a, just a three-hour training um, on this five love languages. And so, you know, I go home and I'm going to practice these skills. So again, actually it is, I think it is important to go over all these Words of affirmation. So that is, uh, you know, those kudos, those attaboys. We want to hear that somebody thinks we're doing a great job or, you know, that's the, the people who are guilty of. Uh, and this is me. I'm a, let me be vulnerable here, right? If I, my wife may do a hundred things a day to keep kind of um, our kids in order, the house in order, the everything running smooth. And if I come home and I go out and clean the dog poop out of the backyard or um, kind of straighten up around the house, I want to make sure, yeah, man, that, uh, Boy, cleaning that dog poop. But I was—I uh, mean, I didn't think it was going to be that hard. But uh, boy, I just finished that, you know. And, and my wife knows that I am seeking those words of affirmation, even though she's done a hundred things and hasn't had to lay them all out for me. I do a couple of things, and I, I'm—I'm I'm saying, 
I would like some praise now, please. And so, uh, so words of affirmation. It's that concept of, and it's funny because this one is that action doesn't necessarily speak louder than words. Um, you want to hear, you want to hear those words. You want to hear that people care about you. They love you. They notice you. They, they think that you are doing an amazing job. Um, especially the words, I love you, become very important. People that lead with this words of affirmation, oftentimes they are the people that say, you know, I told my spouse I loved her five times today and she hasn't said it at all. Uh, isn't that, you know, what, what's wrong with this, right? And words of affirmation is important to them. Quality time. This is the one where then nothing says I love you like full undivided attention and, uh, you know, not kind of half paying attention on your phone. Um, this is where putting something down, uh, no distractions, don't postpone dates, you know, being all in with your partner is this quality time is how they feel love. And a lot of times that's this person who says, look, I just want to be able to just sit there with you and just focus on you and have deep quality conversations. And, uh, and at times for another partner, if that's not their, if that's kind of not their love language, um, they can feel smothered or overwhelmed with that. But so that one's quality time. Receiving gifts. This one's fascinating to me. My wife and I, neither one are huge on the receiving gifts. So a, a birthday can come and we we're telling each other how much we, we love each other and maybe we want to go out to dinner or something like that. And we want to spend that time together. But as far as the gift giving goes, it's not significant. It might be a little something. Um, but it's one of those things where if, if, if I don't get a gift or, you know, if I, and, I, and I believe it, watch, watch her listen to this now and say, you know, she's, she's weeping in a corner of, I, all I wanted were gifts and Tony can't pick up on any of that. Um, but uh, this is the part where, yeah, not getting those gifts, not giving those gifts doesn't feel like something's left out. But, but boy, this one, again, it's significant. If, if gift giving is your love language, um, then you, you know, that's this concept where if you're not receiving gifts or if your gifts aren't met with, oh my gosh, thank you so much. This shows me you love me. Then you feel like, you know, that is your love being rejected. And I've got a, a good story for that here in a second too. So acts of service. This is the concept of, um, our cleaning the house, mowing the lawn, doing those things. And a lot of times you hear from the, the, you know, wife saying, He's <clears throat> he leaves all these projects undone, or we've got the, I've got the honeydew list that he doesn't complete, and uh, and that's just so frustrating. So that might be a cue that her love language is acts of service. And then the last one is physical touch. Now I think when we think about physical touch, a lot of times we immediately go to sex, but physical touch is much more than that. Physical touch is hand holding, uh, back rubbing, arm around, snuggling, and this one's significant as well because again. If you find yourself keeping score of I'm always the one that reaches out to hold her hand or, you know, I'm fine. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait till she reaches out to hold my hand or I'm the one that's always put my arm around her or initiating the kiss or the hug or sex or that sort of thing. Then it's obvious that physical touch is one of your go to love languages. And meanwhile, your partner, if that's not what one of their um, primary or secondary love languages they're going along just maybe oblivious that the significance of you not, you know, responding or you not initiating. Um, so in essence, you're kind of, you're, you're setting them up for, they're taking this test they don't even know they're taking. So, the, so again, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. So this brings me to a couple of stories, some of my go-to stories. Let me take you back then where I was starting here. I'm a shiny new marriage therapist. I'm going through these things a lot, and I've identified pretty clearly that I'm, I'm a physical touch guy. And again, it doesn't just have to mean sex or intimacy. It can be I'm, I'm a, I'm a hand holder. I'm a walk in the door and, and give my wife a kiss. I love a hug. 
And so I would find at times that, yeah, I was the scorekeeper, right? I was the one, I'm, I'm going to drive down the road and, you know, I'm noticing she's not reaching her hand over here. And, uh, and so I'm kind of setting her up for failure. She's not even aware that I'm processing anything as wrong in that moment. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty dialed in that, you know, I got physical touch and then I'm, I'm a words of affirmation guy. Uh, there is that part of me that wants to hear, you know, you're the man. Thanks so much for all that you do. And so I've got this identified that I, I've got it figured out that my wife um, is an acts of service person. Uh, long ago, my wife identified that at the end of the day, she really loves the house to kind of be um, clean, picked up, everything kind of put away. And, uh, and I have to tell you that when we had four small children, there was this part of me that would come home from work and, and the kids had toys out everywhere. We had a toy room in particular and we could close the door on it. So in my mind, it's like, just close the door. It's gonna, we're going to you know, repeat this whole thing tomorrow. But my wife wanted to make sure that the house was clean at the end of the night. And I used to try to make sense of that. This is long before my days of EFT and hearing that as an emotional bid. And I was trying to like convince her, here I am, fixing in judgment statements, of why, you know, why does it matter? Why, don't, you know, why can't we just close the toy room door and then we start tomorrow and you open it up and then you're not going to drive yourself crazy at night because the kids are going to get everything out again. And man, she did such an amazing job letting me know that she couldn't really turn off her brain, go to sleep, feel like the day was done until kind of the house was, was in order, was kind of put together. And so at that moment, I knew that, you know, that I love her enough that my, my job now becomes at the end of the evening, I'm going to help her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dust things and, and clean things and put pillows where they're supposed to go and dishes away and all that sort of thing. So I think I've got this thing figured out, right? I think that the acts of service is my wife's primary love language. So I start running this little experiment as, I'm, as I take this training, as I'm doing this as a marriage therapist, and I think I've got hers figured out. I know what mine is. Mine, you know, physical touch is probably uh, number one, and then words of affirmation are number two, and I have my wife figured out as acts of service. So I start going about the night, and I am gonna, I'm going into, I'm all in. I'm on the, I'm giving the kids baths, I'm cleaning the house, I'm, I'm I don't know, brushing the dogs, I'm trying to do everything I can. And, uh, and probably along the way, like, man, look at, look, boy, these kids in that bath, you know, wanting to get my own words of affirmation, goals or needs met. Um, but so I try to do all I can. And then it's like kids are in bed, house is immaculate. And we, we would go upstairs and we would sit there, watch TV, maybe have a little bit of a snack or something. And I'm kind of thinking, okay, all right. So uh, I kind of uh, scratched that acts of service itch for her. And here comes maybe a back rub or a foot massage or, you know, maybe, all right, here we go. I've set the table. Now let's get the, the physical touch needs met, right? And we'd sit there and we'd watch TV and we'd maybe connect and talk and laugh and just, you know, and then she falls asleep. And I think, oh, okay, all right, fair enough. I will try this again tomorrow. And I go through and kids a bath and, and uh, uh, brush the dogs and get everything, you know, here we go. I, I, I have met her her love language of acts of service and you know here comes the physical touch not not necessarily so i it was i don't remember how long it been it was where i said hey can i just point something out to my wife and i let her know that uh i'm doing this training this love language training and i'm pretty sure that i've got my own identified as um, physical touch and words of affirmation. And I told her, and I've got yours down too. Yours is obviously, um, it's acts of service. And so I don't know if you're noticing that as I do all of these acts of service that, yeah, maybe I'm kind of thinking, ah, now I, my love language will be met as well in this physical touch. And she had the, the kind of the funniest look on her face where she was like, uh, acts of service, you know, she's like, yeah, that's nice. But she's like, I think if I had to pick out of any of those, it's quality time. 
And so then I kind of had this big epiphany where uh, not having given that a voice before and trying to just make assumptions on my own that I, she was having her, um, her love language met. So as we cleaned the house and then had this time together, then she was in heaven because we're, we're now, you know, we're just kind of hanging out. Kids are asleep. House is all put together. And we're spending that quality time together where we are kind of just talking about the day's events. Maybe we are giving each other a little foot massage. And then she's just falling asleep in pure bliss because she is in her happy place. Her love language is being met. So um, that taught me a great lesson that day that uh, that hers is more quality time. And this was, we've been married 27 years now, and uh, that that is definitely the case. We love our weekly date nights, and there's a plug there as a marriage therapist to make that a priority. But I know now that that nothing kind of shows connection there like that quality time. So I want to go over a few things. Well, I have another story, kind of another go-to that I talk about um, often. So I go back to this uh, these early days of marriage therapy, and I was working with a couple, and they were uh, they were both on a, a second marriage, and the guy had not necessarily been to counseling before, so I think he was a little bit skeptical to begin with, and if he only knew what was going through my head at that point as a new therapist, and so I'm now I'm I'm all in on these love languages. I'm finding that the reflective listening is not as productive as I thought. I have no idea what EFT is at this point, and so we're going to dial down and, and kind of go deep on these five love languages. We identify. Um, as I go over these, uh, man, this guy kind of, he kind of gets pretty emotional. And he says, you know, um, that feels so good to kind of have that validated because he said that his love language was gift giving. He had grown up uh, with not a lot of money. And so gifts had, had been pretty significant. When, a, when his dad could save up enough to give his mom a gift, it was a big deal. It didn't really matter what the gift was. So this guy had, had grown up in, in his first marriage. Um, you know, he had been a big gift giver and, and admittedly, the gifts kind of didn't necessarily go over well, um, and so he had he had kind of always felt empty when when he would give these gifts. So now he's in this new marriage, this new relationship, and we're identifying this, and he he gets really emotional. I mean, it was a beautiful, honestly, a beautiful moment. Uh, one of the, I, that's why I remember this so well. And I think, man, here's a guy that he's he's a bit older, a little more set in his ways. Um, he just was validated that his gift giving means more than just here's here's a present, here's a gift. It means this is his expression or how he shows love. And, uh, and we process this and then his wife, um, is kind of more in charge of the finances in this relationship. And, and I think beautiful moment. So I look over and I say, now, can you see the significance? You know, and, and he told, he said he lay, he's one of these who, who loves to leave flowers around the house and, uh, and he just loves to kind of bring things home from a trip. And then, you know, I think now she's going to be able to validate. This is going to be the coolest moment as a marriage therapist up to this point. And then she just looks at him and is like, yeah, but he spends too much money, you know, and, and, and I've told him a million times, uh, we've got a budget. And if you're not following the budget, then you're, you know, ah, and it was like uh, this missed opportunity. And I just watched this guy kind of just get deflated, you know, as we just validated his love language of, of gift giving. This is the way he says, I love you. And having his wife say, you know, in essence, what he's hearing then is, yeah, well, I don't love you because you spend too much money. I mean, it's a little dramatic, but that's kind of this concept behind how we express love and how we feel love given back to us. Uh, turns out that the more we talked about with her, she was an attaboy. She was a words of affirmation person. And that one did go on to, you know, they live happily ever after. But I remember that being a pretty key or pivotal moment. Uh, when I've sp- I, So I get to speak about this one often. I, I, there's uh, there's um, I, Sometimes groups will just come ask me to, uh, just come kind of speak lighthearted and, and maybe do some Q&A. And this is usually a nice place to start because, and then that leads to a lot of questions. And I actually went on Gary Chapman's website 
and uh, he has a lot of cute and frequently asked questions about the love languages. So I want to cover a few of those. So, you know, he, one of the, the number one frequently asked question on his website is, what if I can't discover my primary love language? And I have, and I do, I have a lot of people, well, here's where we can go deep dive, that say, what if, what if I, I just don't really have any of those? None of those really matter to me. And now's the time where, you know, that's not an answer that I can give in just the, hey, does anybody have any questions at the end of a five love language presentation? That's when we need to kind of get on the couch a little bit more because, my my experience has been that the reason why you know someone may have had a love language or two early on let's say it was words of affirmation they needed these attaboys and if their spouse just felt like that was ridiculous you know um if you have to ask for it then i'm not going to tell you or you know if a, if a spouse is kind of hardened and they look i never had those growing up so i don't see why i have to give those you know these words of affirmation to you then over time, what's a partner going to do? They're going to—that's them trying to be vulnerable. And over time, they're not going to continue to put their heart out there. They're going to kind of tuck those feelings away. So same as if your if your love language is is gift giving, and your gifts are repeatedly rejected, at some point, then you are going to, you know, kind of just from a defense mechanism standpoint, you're going to kind of start to to hide that love language. You're not going to, you're going to put those buttons away because your spouse knows how to press them. Here's another gift. Spouse presses button. I don't want gift. You spend too much money. And at that point we don't feel loved. We don't feel validated. We don't feel heard. And so we're going to tuck those away. So when I have somebody come up to me and say, Hey, what if, what if none of those, what if I really don't care about any of those, then I want to say, okay, let's, let's kind of do a little more work around that. Now let's start working on some of these EFT skills of Let's get your partner in here. Let's let's talk about emotional bids. Let's talk about what that's like for you to give a gift and have it rejected. And let's give it a voice. Maybe they're your partner. Once they understand the significance of gift giving for you, then they get to share their story of why they don't want that gift. You know, and and I've had some amazing examples here. That one in particular, uh, where when a guy was then told that um, that that his wife now viewed him um, rejecting her gifts. As as her not feeling love, I mean, I this was another experience I hadn't even thought of in this one a long time, but he was pretty emotional because he said when she gives me gifts, he said then I feel bad because I don't feel like I'm the provider that I should be. I feel like when she's giving me gifts, she's basically saying, "Hey, look, you you never do this, and it's obviously because you don't make enough money." And the wife, you know, she's like, "That I that I didn't. That's not where I go with that." And it was a pretty beautiful moment. There's where we got a nice combo of we've got the five love languages plus emotionally focused therapy, EFT. And now at that point, we've acknowledged that when she wants to give a gift, that this is her saying, hey, uh, not only is this my heart, but I'm, I'm showing you this is my love. And the guy now understanding this has nothing to do with him as a provider. This is him being able to say thank you. You know, thank you so much. And then he gets to kind of give that a voice. I still worry that I'm not doing a good enough job providing. Now she can meet that emotional bid. And man, now instead of like being defensive, we've actually kind of grown together, right? So what if I can't discover my primary love language? Um, I like this. Gary Chapman says, first, observe how you often express love to others. If you're regularly doing acts of service for others, 
that's a good sign that that's your love language. If you're consistently verbally affirming people, then words of affirmation is probably your love language. I remember um, feeling that way. So I love to, sometimes I feel like people don't get enough positive in their life. And I'm not just giving out hollow praise, right? Man, you wear the heck out of that blue shirt, you know? But I do feel like if somebody is, uh, people don't hear enough positives. And so I, I am one who likes to compliment others and acknowledge others. And so that's true. That is one of the first ways I recognize that words of affirmation are important to me. Uh, this is funny. If you're a big on social media, uh, this is kind of a, a maybe a little bit of a joke that I, I kind of just play out in my head a lot of times. So I don't know if you ever read those posts where somebody says, you know, man, what a day. You know, I got up, I got myself out of bed, I put my clothes on, I walked down the hall, I, I made breakfast, I, I ate the breakfast, I put the breakfast away. I, you know, and it's like we just kind of laid out some pretty regular normal things. But then, you know, people are responding with the, I don't know how you do it, you know, or man, you get so much done. And it's like, I feel like at times that's the person who is kind of starved for these words of affirmation. And they're looking for these kudos, these attaboys. This brings up one of the biggest stories I love to tell. This is my uh, talk about vulnerability. So now we've identified I'm a words of affirmation guy. I remember this as if it were yesterday, but I remember driving home from the airport once. Just my wife and I were in the car. And I remember, you know, gosh, you go away. We, I think we had just been out of town. Maybe it was on a vacation. And now you're back to reality, right? Especially driving home from the airport. And I think I start kind of just uh, going through out loud all the things that are coming up that week. Maybe there were a couple of speaking assignments. It was a really heavy client week because I had taken a few days off before. And if not in the chair, I don't get paid. And, you know, there's some writing projects and a website revamp and all these things. And I'm kind of just going over these. And and uh, my wife kind of just is sitting there, you know, and uh, nothing negative. But and that's the part where I get to use my good marriage therapist EFT skills, although I'm sure it is annoying at times to be married to a marriage therapist where I get to say, hey, uh, so you're not really saying anything, you know, and here's my train of thought. Here's where I go. When you don't say anything, I've already worked this through to man, this guy's never going to be able to get ahead. You know, he's got too much going on. Um, I'm worried that he's going to have a nervous breakdown. Uh, so I might as well go ahead and pull the ripcord now and get out of the relationship. And I remember at that point, she's like, and we've married 20 years at this point, I think. And she looks over at me and says, are you serious? Like, that's where your mind goes? And I'm like, yes. I, I You know, when I don't hear anything, I take it down this worst case scenario. And uh, And she's like, oh, that's I wasn't thinking any of that stuff. She's like, I was just kind of thinking, man, I, I'm, I feel bad that this is where Tony goes in his mind. And then I was kind of like, okay. Um, I mean, even you kind of could give me that feedback. She's like, okay. You know, but I, I kind of felt like you knew that, that I'm here for you. We just had this amazing vacation. Oh, there we go, right? Uh, quality time. So she's like, man, my, my quality time cup is filled. So thankfully, she's like, hey, what, what do you need in this scenario? What would help? And now I've developed what I now call my famous uh, live, living in a box under an overpass speech. I, I kind of worked it through to I was like, okay, I think in my mind I'm kind of going to this place of where, uh, yeah, I have all these things and it feels stressful. But part of me I think is wanting, first of all, the words of affirmation. I want to hear this, hey, I'm so grateful for how hard you work for our family. And she's like, well, I am. I'm like, I know, but I'm, I'm needy. You know, when, I, when I'm kind of feeling like this emotional um, you know, vulnerability, maybe, that, yeah, that's me saying, I kind of want to hear that. You're the man, right? And I was like, I think I even want to go as far as to say, and if I don't accomplish all these things and, and we end up having to sell our house and we live in a, in a box under an overpass that you're right there with me in that box. I remember her looking like, how big is the box, right? But I mean, that's a little bit of a stretch, but if it's a big enough box, maybe, okay, she's in. So, I, you know, so that has now turned into the, 
every now and again, if I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed and I can be nice and vulnerable and I know my love language is words of affirmation, I literally can text her now and say, hey, uh, I'm going to need that that box in an overpass speech when I get home. And she was like, I'm on, I'm on it. You know, I can't wait. I, you know, I can't wait to like get some crayons and, you know, decorate the heck out of the inside of this box with you. And, and we kind of laugh, but it's like, I'm, I'm grateful that I can kind of express that. Here's my need, this love language, to feel this love through words of affirmation. So, um, so back to this. Gary Chapman says, what do you complain about the most often? When you say to your spouse, I don't think that you'd ever touch me if I didn't initiate it, then you're revealing that physical touch is your love language. If your spouse goes on a business trip and you say, you didn't bring me anything, then what? Uh, gift giving, right? Then that's probably one of your uh, main love languages. If you hear this statement or if you express this statement, we don't ever spend time together. That indicates that the love language of quality time is important to you. But your complaints often reveal kind of those innermost desires. And uh, (laughs) Gary Chapman says a nice thing here. He says, if you have difficulty remembering what you complain about most often, I suggest you ask your spouse because chances are that they will know. Uh, What do you request of your spouse most often? If you're saying, will you give me a back rub? Or if you're, then you're asking for physical touch, right? Uh, Do you think we can get a weekend away this month? That one's quality time. Uh, Would it be possible for you to mow the grass this afternoon? Expresses a desire for acts of service. And and he goes on to say, your answer, your own answer to these three questions will likely reveal your primary love language. Um, let me kind of go through for the sake of time here a couple more of these. It, Gary Chapman asks, he, he, one of the frequently asked questions is, does your love language change as you get older? Um, he, he tends to think that your love language for the most part stays the same and I kind of see that over the years as well. The hard part is what I kind of mentioned earlier. I do feel like people over time, if this love language isn't met, um, if the spouse doesn't even know that they're they're you know part of this, this I don't want to say game or whether they're in the matrix or whatever you want to call it, um, if they don't know the significance of you giving a gift or you seeking these words of affirmation or you wanting this physical touch, then over time, as those needs aren't met, it's pretty natural for us to start to stuff those feelings away. So does our love language change as we get older? Chapman says no. And then in my experience, what does or can happen is those those love languages change, but the change is them kind of being stuffed down. So we don't want to let that happen. Uh, does the five love languages work uh, concept work with children? Absolutely. I know that each one of my kids, um, I think they express love differently. Um, I feel like they receive love differently. And, and then he goes on to talk about how that those love languages stay the same for the most part when your children become teenagers as well. And uh, this is a big one. What if the primary love language of your spouse is difficult for you? That's a great question because a lot of people talk about, you know, if I didn't grow up in a touching family, um, a touchy-feely family, then how do I, how do I become that person? And now, number one, I think that that's one that needs to be talked through. There's a plug for marriage therapy. I'm not going to lie. But I think being able to just communicate through that. If that's not your, if that's not easy for you, if your spouse's love language is, is physical touch, there's a lot. There's a lot there that we need to talk about. As a matter of fact, I've got a podcast episode coming up that I am. I am taking copious notes on because it's one of these uh, soapbox moments I want to talk about. You know, if you go back to episode 25, I talk about the nurtured heart approach for parenting. Episode 26, I talk about EFT, emotionally focused therapy for couples. There's another one I'm going to get to pretty quickly here, and it's talking about. Um, our relationship with physical touch, our relationship with sex. It's with objectification of women um, and men. And I think that one's going to be a pretty big deal. Physical touch could be a tough one. If that's not your go-to and your spouse says, look, 
why don't you initiate sex more or why don't you reach out and hold my hand more? Um, I know that there can be a lot underneath that. We can kind of at times I've worked with enough spouses who kind of feel like, well, once I kind of open that Pandora's box of, you know, then I feel like I'm going, that's all I'm good for is this, you know, as a physical object. So we're going to talk about that in a future episode. But so, but what, what we can bring, just bringing this awareness around these love languages, this concept, um, the good news is that they can all be learned. And even though we may have grown up only speaking one or two of these languages, they all can be learned, but they're going to need to be kind of learned at a pace over time and in a safe way. So just having that awareness that, hey, physical touch isn't my, my go-to, maybe we can start with holding hands more. You know, it doesn't have to mean that now every time I come in the door, I, I got to do this giant bear hug um, or a koala bear. I was, <laughs> I was at an airport once where uh, a friend was coming back from a long uh, trip, long absence, and the, another friend jumped up and did the koala. I'd never heard the phrase koala bear, but jumped up in the arms and wrapped legs around the body and looked like they were hanging on like a koala bear. So that's where my mind went with that one. So if you're not a words of affirmation person, you discover that your spouse's love language is words of affirmation. Honest to goodness. And this is the part where I say, hey, we got to do the work sometimes, right? If you have to write statements down that your spouse wants to hear, then that's what we're going to do. Over time, it becomes more of a learned behavior. And when you see your spouse respond well, then that feels good. If you have to have that speech that or text that, I need that you're the man speech tonight. I need that uh, box under the overpass speech. You know, that's okay to say that. It's okay to be vulnerable once you're both on the same page and you understand the significance there. Um, he did that. One of the questions was, are some of the love languages found more among women and others with men? And, and I, I do, I like this. Uh, Gary Chapman said, I've never done the research to discover the love languages or if they're gender slanted. He said, it may be true that more men have physical touch and words of affirmation as their love language and more women have quality time and gifts. But he said, I don't know if that's true. And in my experience, my practice, and now we're the hundreds and hundreds of couples I've worked with, that's the way I see it typically play out. It doesn't mean that it's bad if it's not that way, but where a lot of guys, it's physical touch and words of affirmation. And a lot of the women I work with are quality time, maybe not even as much gifts, but for me, it's active service. I often find that gifts is a little bit further down the list. But if you are a gift, if that is important to you, that is okay. And I love hearing the stories around where that comes from. Um, I think that's uh, the rest of them are, are, you know, how is the five, why have the five love languages been so successful? I think that that one's pretty key because it can be a fundamental connection for a couple that they haven't talked about before. And it can help them feel like, wow, I see, I was, you know, when my spouse would, would say these things and compliment me, I always felt like they were just doing it because they felt they had to. But when you look at it from a, that's him expressing love to me. And when I say, you know, you're just saying that, or no, I don't look pretty or whatever, that oftentimes we're rejecting their their attempt at showing us love through words of affirmation. So I think that that's why that the concept of the five love languages is a wonderful thing to explore. So uh, I'm going to wrap things up right now, uh, but I, I highly recommend the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And he's done a few different variations of it. I think five love languages for teens and children. I think there might even be one that has to do with businesses. And again, uh, this is all about awareness, right? That's something I talk about on a lot of the podcasts. Um, being more open, being more self-aware and aware of the feelings of others helps us understand how we can interact better with people. 
So I am I am grateful for the time that you spent with me today going over the five love languages. I highly recommend you get in the book. And, and there are some online quizzes that are amazing. If you're not sure what they are, take one of these quizzes. If you come up with my love languages or none of the above, then, you know, what we kind of talked about a little earlier might be worth exploring. Why are those love languages harder for you to tap into? Were they there? If you're going to be honest with yourself, were they there at some point, but then they were kind of shut down by their spouse? If they are, go find help. Don't just think, okay, I got to stuff these feelings for the rest of my life. That is not a productive thought. Um, As a marriage therapist, as somebody who's passionate about this, you can repair your marriage. Absolutely, you can. Go find a, a therapist that's confident and comfortable with couples therapy, and then get in there and find a safe environment to be able to express yourself and not have those things that you're going to talk about be shut down, be fixed or judged, and get some awareness around there. And then and then get some homework to do that will help you understand how to express love, how to feel love, how to be able to share your emotions, and how to discover Um, what's going on with your partner and why they maybe react the way they do. All right, I'll hop down off the soapbox. But thank you so much for joining me today on the virtual couch. And taking us away as per usual is the wonderful, talented Aurora Florence with the song, It's Wonderful. Compressed emotions flying past Our heads and out the other end The pressures of the daily grind It's wonderful Elastic waste and rubber ghost I'm floating past the Aside the things that matter most Heal the legs and hearts you broke the